so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. I'm saying that you cannot say that numbers collected at the employer's place of business reflect simply the employer's policies. Those, those numbers reflect underlying conditions in the whole society, just as numbers collected at the hospital do not show you that people are sick because they're in the hospital. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're tuning in to The Unveiled Patriot with yours truly, Travis Masterbone, and this episode is episode three, titled Uncle Tom's and Crime Bill Biden. So this is going to be an episode that I hold near and dear For me, the topics I'll be discussing today played a crucial and eye-opening role in my political awakening. And as much as it might trigger people, or potentially trigger many, I am solely speaking about my experiences, my interpretation, and essentially the truth about how my unveiling came about. It was an intense and confusing time during the whole George Floyd incident. And as I said before in my first episode, I really identified a lot of media and political bias, misinformation, and I believe I said, uh, quote, I felt like it was more fuel to the fire than beneficial. So, My initial research into trying to understand the dynamics of this tragedy and very sensitive atmosphere, I stumbled upon a woman, a young black woman to be specific, who I have never heard of or seen before in my life, who was the complete opposite of sensitive. And you probably already know who I'm talking about, but like I said, prior to 2020, I had zero political interests knowledge, or background. So, knowing me, I just gave this woman a listen. Without any type of judgment or idea of who she is and what she represented, and the video had millions of views. Candace Owens. No need for introduction or explanation of this woman now. But at the time, I couldn't believe there was a person out there who had the balls to come out and speak against the narrative. I couldn't believe on top of that that she was black. Maybe I'm living in a bubble. Although my eyes did see a tragedy, as I am going to repeat myself, I didn't see the racial intention of that tragedy. And that was the whole point of the BLM movement, the proverbial knee on the neck of black America. And Candace Owens, in this video, shut that shit down. And at first, I wasn't sure to agree or disagree with, but I listened. Not selectively. I listened. And I didn't know who she was again, so bias was out of the picture. But I wanted to hear what she was saying. And this led me to my Facebook post. And my Facebook post was essentially a picture of her 
having a conversation with Brandon Tatum. And I received a lot of you're stupid, you're ignorant, you're a clown, all of that. But the one that I saw a few times from peers that I've known my whole life or people I used to know and haven't spoken with in a long time is that she hates her people. Quote, unquote, she hates her people. So I thought maybe, oh, maybe I don't really quite understand this woman and her views. So I dug a little deeper and I saw some some videos where she's testifying before Congress about her being a white supremacist and her Hitler comments, apparently. And I saw her just absolutely destroy people trying to poke at her. Ted Lieu, to be specific, a Democrat, uh, he played a portion of an interview that she did claiming that she supports Hitler because she supported nationalism. Hitler was a national socialist. And he took things out of context, played it on his phone, and she just absolutely destroyed him. And in a different setting, or same setting but different time, testifying to Congress, it was a a few Caucasian people testifying against her about being a white supremacist. And again, she just mopped the floor with them. I have no idea who she is and why. But she definitely was impressive in both of those instances. And I just had to dive a little bit further. So I went a little bit further down the rabbit hole. And to be specific, the rabbit hole was the rabbit hole of black conservatism. The rabbit hole of Uncle Tom's. Now, what is an Uncle Tom? When I posted this Facebook post, a friend of mine, we went to college together. We ended up being colleagues a little bit after. And he called me a clown on Instagram because of my post. And I told him, I don't do that fake book arguing. It gets nowhere. You have my number. Feel free to call or text. And he did. So we talked for about an hour about various topics, not getting into all that. But it ended with him referring to her and Brandon Tatum, among others, as Uncle Tom's. And luckily, I did a little bit of research prior to the call. But I asked him, I was like, what is an Uncle Tom? Do you even know? He didn't even know. He couldn't define it. And that kind of bugged me. I was just like, well, I would suggest you look that up and figure it out. But I wanted to just start with the basics and maybe go into a brief history of where Uncle Tom came from. And so Uncle Tom is a character from the novel Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe, the author. And it's about a black slave named Tom who was beaten to death for refusing to say the specific whereabouts of two other slaves. But his character was based on the life of a real-life famous slave abolitionist named Josiah Henson. Now, this book was published in 1852. And this book played a vital and influential role and, quote-unquote, laying the groundwork for the Civil War. So having this book had a profound impact on the attitudes towards blacks and slavery of the USA in, in that time. 
And so, prominent book, prominent figure, Josiah Henson, born a slave and escaped to what is now Ontario, Canada in 1830, founded a settlement and laborer school for other fugitive slaves. Because if you set foot in Canada at the time, you were basically free. And then he spoke, raised funds for the community in Canada. But the most impressive thing that I found out is that he actually did several trips back to Kentucky to guide other slaves up to Canada to freedom. Remarkable. Phenomenal. This man should be put on a pedestal. So why the fuck are they called Uncle Tom? Makes no sense to me. I don't know where exactly it made the jump, but it is now a racial term. That's what it is. It's a racial term. Implying that black people, like Candace Owens, hide their ethnic outlook and identify themselves with the quote-unquote oppressor, which would be the white man. As a coping strategy for survival, a good example of this, if you've seen the movie Django, Samuel L. Jackson, the quote-unquote house Negro. You'll also hear Coon, Bootlicker, Oreo, trying to be or act white, fit in with the whites. These are some of the most derogatory and disgusting terms I've ever come across. And honestly, they've only come across just recently. And what's interesting is, it's solely, I'm not going to exclude white liberals, but it's solely black people calling other black people these terms. So through their eyes, there's only one way or there's only a certain way to be white. There's only certain ways to be black. That seems racist to me. No free thinking, no straying away from the narrative, and you could become a target. And just speaking about this, I could also be labeled as a racist just by questioning this or thinking this. So there's a divide. And in this George Floyd turmoil, I was concerned that this was going to be a universal black versus white thing. And with the discovery of Candace Owens, Brandon Tatum, I also discovered Anthony Brian Logan, Craig Long, other black conservative intellectuals, Larry Elder, Walter Williams, Thomas Sowell. I discovered black voices for Trump. Now, if all these black individuals are Uncle Toms, according to other black individuals and white liberals, then I don't think we are dealing with my initial hypothesis of universal black versus white. I think we're dealing with more of an ideological war. It's about ideology, beliefs. And then I discovered it actually goes back to the late 19th, early 20th century. So W.E.B. Du Bois, Du Bois versus Booker T. Washington. These are two prominent, very important and influential black historical figures, but they clashed on strategies for black and social economic prosperity. And I want to just go briefly into who they are and why did they clash and what's their influence today. So Booker T. Washington was an educator, a reformer, and one of the most influential black figures of his time. A book that I purchased and read, uh, his book, 
highly recommended, called Up From Slavery. So he was a slave. And essentially, his philosophy geared towards self-help, racial solidarity, and accommodation. And so he seemed to have urged to accept the segregation at the time, but elevate his community through hard work and material prosperity. And that education was through crafts, industrial and farming skills, and the cultivation of virtues such as patience, enterprise, and thrift. He believed in vocational and skill acquisition. And this was all really fueled by delayed gratification. He didn't look at political power as the true stance of black upward mobility at the time. And when you read that and get people's opinions on it, you this is kind of radical because it wasn't too long ago where the blacks were freed, the amendments were passed. So to say that we can do it on our own and we can live with you, the white guy who just was enslaving us, I, I find that to be very, very bold courage and a little mature. But so he believed that success and true freedom would come with time and that showing their value and worth to themselves, but also to white people at the time. And this was very, very obvious in his speech, which I highly recommend everyone just go listen. 1895, Atlanta, Georgia, Cotton States and International Exposition. A quote really resonated with me. He said, quote, The wisest of my race understand that the agitation of questions of social equality is the extremist folly and that progress in the enjoyment of all the privileges that will come to us must be the result of severe and constant struggle rather than artificial forcing. It was very interesting to hear him say that when I listened. This was sharply criticized by W.E.B. Du Bois. And we'll get into that in a second. But essentially, Booker T. Washington, he was more of a capitalist, of being self-sufficient, looking through the lens of a once slave. It's very interesting. But he chose that over political and civil rights and demands. So Booker T. Washington is more directly linked to your modern-day colorblind, conservative, Republican views of today, I would say. He's the godfather of black conservatism. And he founded the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama in 1881. And this was specifically founded to train blacks in agriculture and industry and to promote economic progress. This institution is still standing today. Ranked fourth among the nation's best HBCUs, which are historical black college universities. He also was a founder in the National Negro Business League, promoting capitalism and self-sufficiency again. He was the first black to be invited to dine at the White House by Teddy Roosevelt, who was a Republican, in 1901. And then ended up being an advisor to Theodore Roosevelt and William Howard Taft. I mean, if you just look at the story alone it's phenomenal triumphs and amazing 
prosperity in times where racial tensions were ridiculously higher than they are now. Well, I mean, I feel like some things have changed, but for the most part, it is quite an accomplishment, to say the least, and it's obvious why he's a prominent figure. And now W.E.B. Du Bois, he was also a black intellectual, a scholar. He was the first black to get a Ph.D. from Harvard. So he obviously had some self-motivation, kind of aligned a little bit with Booker T. in that sense. He authored a book called The Souls of Black Folk. And in this book, he criticized Booker T. Washington from that Atlanta speech. And he coined it the Atlanta Compromise implying that he's compromising and bending the knee to the white person. W.E.B. Du Bois wasn't a slave. But essentially, with this critique of this famous speech of Booker T., he claimed that Washington's strategy would only perpetuate white oppression, not solve it. W.E.B. Du Bois basically paved the way for Malcolm X and all the future civil rights activists. I guess he's the godfather of that. But it was about demands. Demanding that the quote-unquote haves, which were whites at the time, give back to the have-nots, which were the blacks. And this is understandable at that time. You know, it just seems less radical than Booker T's way of doing things at that time. And he helped found the NAACP, And again, the godfather, but he's more directly linked to the left liberals of today, BLM, and unusually the Democrats. I move forward. But he was an avowed socialist, essentially. You know, believing in protests, demands, and more immediate gratification at the time. Pro-voting and gaining political power. So it's two different avenues of what someone thinks their people would get to success or equality, true equality. And so my question is, who was right? And when I watched the documentary Uncle Tom, Alan B. West, uh, who was a congressman for Texas, author of a book called We Can Overcome, a Black Conservative Manifesto, he also asked that question, who was right? And I'm a quote, Alan B. West. When talking about black conservatism, It's important to remind ourselves of the many ways in which black people have embraced these core values. Family values, faith in God, entrepreneurial mindset, to be self-sufficient and financially independent, and quality education. I align with these values too. And I don't see a value in there that says I hate my skin color and my people. And I can see this negative outlook or perception of people who are conservative, not just black people, even though that's the topic of today, but to believe in these values and have these values, I can see that today, but to extrapolate even more that it is alive and well in regards to a black Republican, I watched Senator Tim Scott's rebuttal to our brilliant president, Crime Bill Biden, but and I heard and saw some of the most ridiculous statements and opinions 
of this black man, all because he said, as of right now, this country isn't racist. There is freedom of speech. And this guy is clearly a successful man and should be put on a pedestal. But Uncle Tim Scott, this is what's trending on Twitter. People like Joy Behart, Jimmy Kimmel, and many, many other blue checkmark celebrities just all over Twitter bashing him over this. It makes no sense. If you think, you would think if this is a black versus white thing, they would listen and uplift and maybe try to understand Tim Scott. But I have a theory. Maybe, just maybe, it's because he's a Republican. And it isn't too far in our past that this has happened to another conservative black, Clarence Thomas. And I strongly, strongly recommend watching the documentary Created Equal. Clarence Thomas documentary, very good. And I'll go into that a little bit more in a second. But Clarence Thomas was the second black man to serve on the Supreme Court after Thurgood Marshall. An achievement that should be, you know, recognized and put on a pedestal. But no, even at the time, a magazine called Emerge, which was an ebony magazine, uh, there was a cartoon depiction of Clarence Thomas with a handkerchief, and it was titled Uncle Tom. A cartoon of Clarence Thomas shining Antonin Scalia's shoes. When you look at it in that documentary, Created Equal, I don't know, my stomach turned. I was like, I can't even believe that was really published. And then on top of all that, with the Anita Anita Hill controversy, you can see how furious Clarence Thomas is when he's not testifying, but giving his giving his perspective to the committee with Joe Biden leading it. And he said it was basically a lynching if someone strays outside of the narrative. And he's right, or he was right. And it's still prominent today. Dr. Ben Carson, another gentleman who should be held up on a pedestal. A world-famous neurosurgeon has done things that no man has ever done. But yet you have people like Charlemagne the God calling him an Oreo. You have people like Trevor Noah obnoxiously trashing him on live TV. Implying that he's not black enough by the way he speaks and other ridiculous things. So Ben Carson was also known for being criticized for his immigration comment during slavery. And they played it in the Uncle Tom documentary of what he said. And then they cut it and played Obama saying the damn, damn near the same thing. But the reaction was very different. And I get it. He was confirmed by Trump as Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. But I mean, if that's not the definition of a liberal privilege i don't know what is how can one say almost the same damn thing over and over again by the way obama repeatedly has made this and ben carson caught the heat like no other let's not forget ben carson also ran for president like this is another gentleman who should be put on a pedestal and i just think 
the the more that I actually pay attention to this stuff, I really see the ridiculousness of also white liberals, people like Chelsea Handler, where 50 Cent made a post about Joe Biden's tax plan. And he said, I'm not voting for this guy. I'm voting for Trump because I don't want to be 25 cent. Hilarious. But then Chelsea Handler goes on some show and had to remind 50 Cent that he was black. That he couldn't vote for Trump because he was black. Never mind the actual substance of what he said. He doesn't want Joe Biden taxing him. It's just because he's black. And it's really... Has has really been a lot of culture influence in this as well. Nipsey Hussle making a song about Donald Trump. Fuck Donald Trump. You know, these things really do resonate, but we need to look a little bit deeper. The way 50 Cent did. This guy's going to tax me how much? I don't want to be 25 Cent. He's right. And who is Chelsea Handler to tell him to think otherwise? And I look back at history and I'm like, when it comes to white supremacists of... The Civil War through to the early mid 20th century, if you were to sit them down and ask them, they believed blacks were genetically inferior to whites. I bet you they would quote unquote say that. And I highly recommend a video by the comedian Awaken with JP where he does a video of two guys, one's playing a racist KKK person and the other one's playing a modern day Democrat liberal and their thought processes align identically. Democrats then seem to have the same perspective as the Democrats now still viewing blacks as inferior. It's just a different angle of it. And it makes no sense to me. Like I could follow conservatives online and if they feel like they're not oppressed Or if they say that, they don't go with the narrative. Uncle Tom's. I mean, I don't get it. Don't we want black people to not feel or believe this country is oppressing them? If 100% of black people did not feel they were oppressed or oppressing them, isn't that the whole point? But it makes it seem like if any black person strays away from that, or if any white person agrees with that, You put them in a box, demean them. How is that going to change anything? And then the recent mixed marriage hate that I'm discovering as well, it just makes no sense. You're going to criticize Candace Owens for having a white husband. You're going to criticize Brandon Tatum for a white wife. What the hell do you guys want exactly? And it's always from the left, unfortunately. It spans into some of the sports arena as well. Charles Barkley said something profound and epic on his uh, platform. I'm not exactly sure where he said it. Could have been anything from ESPN or whatever. And I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but it was very impactful. He said, I truly believe that most black people and most white people are good people. And then he said, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, The people at the top want to divide and conquer. They want black and white people to not like each other and hate each other. They want rich people and poor people, oppressed versus oppressor. It was a very intelligent observation and balls, by the way, 
because those media outlets are really ran by the left. And of course, Charles Barkley catches the heat for that. I'm sure he caught a lot of it. But it's just unfair because it was a very objective and neutral statement. And honestly, it's the truth. Where did divide and conquer come from? This is not an unusual tactic or strategy for people who are in control, the elites, to have the people so distracted with each other. And we're not even going to consider that for a second with all the madness that's going on. Well, I apologize. I had to consider. Kwame Brown is catching a lot of traction right now, a lot of heat. I kind of love it. His videos are hilarious, and they're true, in my opinion. He, I'm going to quote him specifically to a video he did to Steven Jackson, former NBA player, podcast, Up in Smoke. But Kwame Brown said, quote, Tupac was right then, and he's right now. Stop blaming white folks. And then he's referring to the left on this next statement. Disagree with them and watch how they talk to you. Just disagree with them. Candace Owens, nobody has had a healthy dialogue yet with her because she's not the quote-unquote black woman you want to hear from. Just argue the point, not the person, end quote. He's right. Ad hominem. Attacking the person instead of the idea. That's what happened to me when I posted the Facebook post. I asked him. I was like, wait a minute. What did she say specifically that makes you feel that she hates her people? No one could do it. They didn't even want to listen. Because the narrative out there is Candace Owens is a white supremacist and hates her people. Candace Owens derangement syndrome. And this can really tangent out to Trump derangement syndrome. So you're telling me this black voices for Trump page, they're all deplorable Uncle Toms? Even though he got one of the highest black votes as a Republican president in a long time. We'll touch base on that in another episode. I can't wait. But it's true. All the celebrities, they're, they're in on this same exact narrative. One of my favorite rappers, Royce the Five Nine, he was just making negative post after negative post, and one I just kind of I just had to stop. He was playing a video or a post of the song "Look at the Coons," and it's just a bunch of clips of black people at a Trump rally enjoying themselves. And they always say Uncle Tom's are quote unquote tap dancing. But then if you look on the flip side, I could see LeBron James at a Hillary Clinton rally. I could see Jay-Z and Beyonce on stage with her as well. But they're not Uncle Tom's, right? I mean, Hillary Clinton is white, correct? The Democrats of all people. It doesn't make sense to me, but it is definitely full-blown liberal privilege. And so what I've noticed and where I started to steer what I believe in and why, this was a big reason. All I really see is an anti-Republican, anti-conservative, anti-America agenda. And just too much liberal liberal privilege and just leftist hypocrisy. And that's all I saw. And I really did see that multiple times with BLM. And I just told myself, I'm not on board with that, and I'm going to speak my mind about it. So as I transition, here's your leader, 
your leader, the one you championed so hard to beat Trump, by all means necessary, crime bill Joe Biden. And at the time, I was really trying to weigh the pros and cons. Like, who am I really going to vote for? This is obviously a tense time. Very important. Muy importante. Crime bill Joe Biden. When I ask people, why are you voting for Joe Biden? I swear to God, it was never knowledge of his policies. No one knew shit about his history. Orange man bad. Okay, so why are you voting for him? I just want to get Trump out. They didn't care if this guy was senile. They didn't care if he had a racial history. A bad racial history. They didn't care if he set policies that changed the world or didn't. They had no idea. He is Obama's boy. That's it. I'm sorry. That didn't float with me. And so I call this the crime bill Joe Biden because, believe it or not, you could type it in Google. It's the nickname for the 1994 crime bill, the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994. This is the largest crime bill in U.S. history signed by Democrat Bill Clinton and sponsored by U.S. Rep from Texas, Democrat Jack Brooks. And Biden was a part of this. This is the famous three-strike law provision, commonly referred to as the highest incarceration of blacks bill. But we want to just kind of skim over that. Kind of like that 13th Amendment documentary I keep referring to. Same thing. They mentioned that. But they didn't mention Joe Biden was a part of that. Very interesting. And in 1993, did you know? You could look it up. He did a 1993 speech to Congress trying to push this bill. And he basically referred to blacks as predators. People don't forget. Go a little bit further back with school desegregation and busing. There was a lawsuit in Delaware. And Biden led an effort in the Senate to end the court-ordered busing, which was forcing segregation on buses. This was in the Senate Judiciary Committee in 1977. Quote, Without orderly integration, his children would grow up in a jungle. The jungle being a racial jungle. How does this slide right under and behind the media? It's because they have an agenda. And then not too long ago, Kamala Harris, in the 2020 Democratic primary debate, confronted Joe about this and called him out, quote-unquote, He also worked on opposing busing. And then she told her monologue on a a story of being a little girl taking the bus to school. She also called him out, quote, I do not believe you're a racist, but it's personal and hurtful to hear you talk about reputations of two senators who built their careers on the segregation of race in this country. She's absolutely correct. Robert C. Byrd and Strom Thurmond, who I've mentioned before, Known racists and segregationists. Joe Biden's buddy, who he speaks very highly of them. Could you imagine if Trump had that type of connection to racism? I move forward. But of course, later when Kamala Harris was nominated as Biden's VP, I remember seeing a video of a reporter asking her if she felt the same about these issues. If they were still relevant. Know what she said? It was a debate. It was a debate. Cackle, 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 her infamous laugh. Oh, okay, I get it. So you're going to say whatever to whomever to get into a political power position. 
That's basically what she did. She just backpedaled. Didn't even want to, okay, I did it for a debate. It's just, they seem like very dishonest people. And I'm being very objective at the time in 2020 when I'm discovering this stuff. There was a address or a speech that Joe Biden gave to a predominantly black audience where he said, quote unquote, Republican policies are going to put y'all back in chains. Republicans are going to put y'all back in chains. Just said it so ridiculously. All right. There's a viral video of him mocking some Indian store clerk. And then, again, I'm going to refer back to the Created Equal documentary where Biden is leading the committee for Clarence Thomas to speak in front of them. And you'll see Strom Thurmond, the known racist, right next to him like he's his his advisor. And just watch how Biden speaks to him. I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that this guy is the champion <laughs> that everyone in this day and age claims him to be. It's suspect to say the least. And yes, people don't forget the amount of plagiarisms Joe Biden did. The lies about how many degrees he graduated with and supposedly at the top of his class. How he lied about his family working in the coal mines. Admitted on a talk show that he basically said it just to get votes. He's just a flat out lying long term politician. And we're all diving into it. We all want to dip in the sauce. 40 years plus in government. What has he done? If you heard my second episode, I could at least state things from previous presidents like Harry S. Truman, Eisenhower. You know, but what has he done? Nothing. Just Obama's sidekick. Just this harmless old man. Who remembers the quote that he said about Obama? Quote, The first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean and a nice-looking guy. I mean, that's a storybook, man. (laughs) Jesus. That one gets me every time. And so now you even see it when he's running prior to the election. Just his... His idea of just all black people are the same just really comes out. And the amount of pandering to get the vote when he's doing an interview on The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God. And he says, if you have a problem or if you have trouble voting, deciding who to vote for between me or Trump, then you ain't black. Sounds like if you skew away from the narrative, then you're not black. Sounds racist to me, but I move forward. And then why is he doing Cardi B interviews? Candace Owens is absolutely correct. Why is he doing that? Why doesn't he go and do interviews with people that will challenge him? Oh, because he is catering to a younger, dumber population. That's exactly why. There's really no other reason why he would do that. And it's true. It reminds me of Hillary Clinton and her hot sauce incident. Pandering to get the black vote. Another quote Mr. Joe Biden recently did. Unlike the black community, Latinos are diverse. Again, another subtle perspective that you get to see. Joe Biden just basically thinks blacks are a monolith. 
And on top of all that, I don't even have to mention the creepy videos of him with children and women, his super sketch Parmesan smoking son. I mean, come on, man. If I am missing something here, please feel free to email me, DM me, text me. Let me know because... I'm sure there is plenty more where this guy is really suspect. And if we compare that to Trump, which I highly recommend the episode Orange Man Bad. I really felt there was no way I could put my first vote in for Joe Biden. There was just too much to find. And as I transition out, I just want people to look. Do what I did, or at least some of what I did. I know I was, I had a lot of time, and I probably went above and beyond. But people need to look, especially when it comes to voting. And all I discovered was just hypocrisy. I found out that the team is mainstream media, celebrities, and leftist politicians. And the liberal privilege thing is true. And anyone who honestly and genuinely can call someone an Uncle Tom or any of those derogatory terms I mentioned earlier, I do not fuck with you at all. There's really no difference to me than saying the N-word. And I think people need to really listen again to MLK's speech because I think this is starting to go into a direction that we do not want it to go. And so all of this discovery with the racial issues that we have today and me diving into the past, it really swayed me and cemented my feet on the right for now. And I just genuinely and seriously ask to open your damn eyes and do a little bit more research of who you're voting for and why. And what are your values? And stop just floating along with the narrative. I feel like I am a broken record when I say that, but I genuinely and honestly mean it. So please like, share, and subscribe. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for taking the time and tuning in to The Unveiled Patriot with me, Travis Masterbone, and I'll see you next time. Farewell. Farewell.